1: Hey everyone, I am Judy Greer, and these are the Movies That Changed My Life.
2: Hey everyone, I'm Ian DeBorja, and welcome to IMDb's Movies That Changed My Life, a podcast where your favorite stars break down the films that made them who they are today. This week's guest is Judy Greer. You may know Judy from Arrested Development, Jurassic World, or her many roles and iconic rom-coms like 13 Going on 30 and 27 Dresses. But soon you'll be able to catch her in Hulu's Good Boy, which is the upcoming installment of Blumhouse's monthly horror series called Into the Dark. Judy and I talk about working alongside Jamie Lee Curtis in The New Halloween, her appreciation of fans of Arrested Development, and a film that is also on my list of movies that changed my life. Once again, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to leave us a star rating or leave a review uh, or give us a shout on social media using hashtag movies that changed my life. Thanks again for listening. And here's movies that changed my life with Judy Greer. Judy Greer, I am a huge fan of so many things in your career. Uh, 13 going on 30, Arrested Development, which I will talk to you for my own uh, (laughs) self-indulgence a little bit here. Um, But how are you doing on this Friday morning?
3: I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm the same as every other day, you know. (laughs) (laughs) The days, is it Friday? I don't know.
2: (laughs) I know. It's like everything, I like having to check my calendar very frequently because I literally lose track of days. It's very bizarre.
3: Yeah. It is weird. I mean, like, work-wise, I feel like we're still kind of sticking to, like, a Monday through Friday, like, for, like, work stuff. But, no, it all feels kind of the same. But I'm really good.
2: (laughs) Uh, Speaking of work stuff, your IMDb page is always – First of all, do you know how many credits you have on your IMDb page as an actress?
3: No. Even ballpark. Like, I feel like maybe, like, 80-something?
2: 141. What? Yes. That,
3: and is, that is actually a lot, 141. But a lot of it's like, you know, little things. Yeah, still. But yeah, wow,
1: that is a lot.
2: Yeah, that is like, like, I was shocked. I mean, I knew you've been in stuff for, you know, all over the place, like animation, uh, Marvel <laughs> yeah. movies, Jurassic yeah. World, all that sort of stuff. But it, it was when I saw it, I was like, holy crap. Uh, and you have so many awesome things coming up, uh, not just this year. You have things announced for next year and things coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah speaking of first let's talk about into the dark so into the dark is like is the blumhouse hulu anthology horror series uh yeah. and you are starring in one and executive producing a one called good yeah. day right yeah, yeah so why don't yeah. talk about that
3: i think this is such a funny story so i somewhere around this room you may see or i have this little terrier rescue dog that i that i got and um and you know in the in this like well now everything's different but where everyone was having like emotional support animals all the time and it was kind of becoming a little over the top like having a turkey on an airplane and like an emotional support snake and like stuff like that uh this is um in the genre of horror of course like poking fun at that and this woman adopts this emotional support animal because her life is it's it's sort of not where she wanted to be at her age and so she adopts this dog to calm her down and Basically, uh, it goes awry.
0: Uh, the, yeah. dog
3: take, the dog takes its job very seriously.
2: Very, very seriously. Um, I've had a chance to watch it, and it is a great time. Uh, um, thank you. Yeah. Um, so how did you get involved uh, in, in the role? I've heard a funny story where, like, you were working in a coffee shop somewhere, and some people <laughs> literally came was, up to you.
3: Um, I was actually walking my dog by the coffee shop, and the two writers, Will and Aaron, um they saw me walk by and they like ran out. They were like, Judy, Judy, you don't know us, but we're represented at your management company and we're writers and we're like in this coffee shop. We were like literally just like writing the script with you in mind. And then you walk by with a dog and it's about a girl and a dog. And like, this is so crazy. And I was like, okay, everyone calm down. Um, <laughs> so they kind of like loosely like pitched me the story right there. And I was like, this is kind of interesting. Like, why don't we all like, let's set up like a proper coffee and, sure. uh, and, and do like it properly and so we did that and i thought the story was really great i had just finished the first halloween and i had such a great experience at blumhouse um we all had a big love fest they were like hey anything comes your way you're interested in like please like send it to us and so i did i sent it over there and they felt like it would be perfect for their end of the dark series so that's kind of how that came up and why i got to be an executive producer which is cool
2: so for those who aren't maybe the biggest fans or too scared of horror, I still think Good Boy <laughs> is a fun watch because yes. it's like yeah. very camp. It's very like over the top and yeah. it's like, you're more giggling as to like what is happening like along the way. Um, was that like intentional? Did you know the guys wanted to do it very tongue in cheek from the get go?
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, when we hired Tyler to direct it, um, it was a, uh, that's a genre like the sort of like comedy broad horror uh, is a genre that he is so good at. So, um, yeah, with a script like that, it could go a lot of different directions, but I just thought it would be more fun to have fun with it. Um, if we are making fun of this, uh, service <laughs> animal industry, then like, let's really make fun of it. Um, and yeah, I think that's a fun way to make a horror movie. And it's especially fun. Cause like you said, like Anyone who doesn't like horror would probably really like this movie. I mean, yes, we do have some scares in it, but, like, it's a good time.
2: Like we said earlier, um, each episode of Into the Dark is about a holiday during the month. And so June's holiday is Pet Appreciation Day, (laughs) uh, which which is great because this is a very funny way to, you know, to say thank you to pets uh, who go the very full distance to uh, protect their owners. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a yappy dog too. So I understand. <laughs> I was watching, yeah. I was like, you know, if, if Abby really wanted to, this, this might happen. So <laughs> yeah,
3: definitely mine, Mary, she a hundred percent would, she's tried actually. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, so you talked about Jason Blumhouse already and you talked about Halloween. So you were just in like the reboot of Halloween alongside, yeah. uh, the amazing Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, and you have two more coming out already, uh, 2020, 2021. Um, Obviously, you probably can't say much about either of the no. films, um, but how about just, you know, getting to expand across the first film to, to three more? What was that getting to work with Jason and, and the rest of the crew? And
3: Well, uh, David Gordon Green likes to keep the same. He likes his crew. And so going and doing so we haven't shot the third one yet, um, but going back to shoot the second one, Halloween kills was basically just like going back to your family, like that you love so much. Cause it's all the same people and people love David so much. They want to come back and keep working for him. So that's why he gets such a great crew and he gets like people coming back and, um, actors included, not that we always have a choice, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, yeah, it was kind of just like going home. Um the first one we shot in Charleston, the second one we shot in Wilmington. It was kind of fun to like be in a different place, but uh it's such an honor um once I I was so excited to get cast in this role, but once I got to Charleston to start shooting the first one and, and working so closely with Jamie Lee Curtis, like I realized like what a huge honor it was to sort of like pick up this franchise again and tell this story of trauma and of this woman who has been haunted her whole life by this man. And, um, And I was like, whoa, like I thought I was like going to go make a fun horror movie with some cool people. But like really we were, there was a lot resting on this movie. So I was so happy with how people received it. I was happy with how it ended up working with Jamie Lee Curtis is like, I mean, she's so inspiring and she loves Laurie Strode so much Mm -hmm. and she loves the franchise so much and she has so much ownership over it and over the story and like literally and figuratively. But like, you know, (laughs) she, she, she just makes you want to make the best movie possible. And she made me want to like tell this story truly and deeply and not just like make a fun campy horror movie. You know what I mean? Right. And Uh, so when I got there, we started working. I realized like, Oh, we're like, we're making a movie. It just happens that a dude tears people's like organs out of their body and stuff. But
2: (laughs) so 2020 and then 2021, back to back years and they're both gonna be coming out around Halloween right that's the idea like on Halloween no, or right you know. ideally <laughs> right around that weekend yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we will keep an eye for that all right so let's get into the movies that changed your life uh where do you want to start you sent over four awesome picks.
3: I know because I thought you might want to choose oh no
2: we can go all four Oh, cool. I, I, we prepped them all for it. This Is This is how we do it know. here. Um, where do you want to uh, start? Is there any, or do you want me to choose for you? You
3: start, you start. Okay,
2: uh, I'm going to start with the oldest one first, the oldest release. Mm-hmm. So let's start with Casablanca. So 1942's uh, classic Casablanca, directed by Michael Curtis, written by Julius J. Epstein and Philip J. Epstein, Howard Koch as well, starring Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Berman, Paul Heinrich. Um, set the scene here. What, when was the first time you saw Casablanca?
3: Well, I grew up, uh, in a suburb of Detroit, Michigan, and there's this beautiful old theater in downtown Detroit called the Fox theater. And when I, this, they spent like a few years renovating it while I was in high school. And when it first opened, like kind of their soft opening was that they would play old movies there. Um, and, I had never seen Casablanca and I think uh, it was the summer before my senior year of high school and my boyfriend at the time, like my high school sweetheart and I drove down to Detroit and saw Casablanca for the first time in this like huge, old, beautiful theater, like the way it would have been seen the first time around, I'm assuming, you know, um, before the age of the multiplex. I think one of the reasons that I responded so much to the movie was part of it was that first experience of like going to this big old movie theater and seeing it on that huge screen. And it was so beautiful. And, and she's so beautiful. And their story is so romantic and sad. And, you know, like, I just I, I like unhappy endings, not that you could definitely argue it's a happy ending. But as far as the couple is concerned, you know, you see that, like, she doesn't Spoiler alert!
2: <laughs> uh, you
3: haven't seen <laughs> if you hey, i am not going to say his word, but like, <laughs> I don't feel
1: bad for spoiler
3: <laughs> because she doesn't stay with him. It's so bittersweet and so beautiful, and um, I think I'm—I've always since then been drawn to like the unhappy ending. Um, I think you know the—the the look on his face when he sees her for the first time is. I mean, I don't know how you could ever replicate that performance. Um, the friendship, you know, between obviously like Sam and and, and him. And um, I loved just their love story, I mm-hmm. guess. And also the bar, Ricks, is oh, just God, so, so cool. Cruel. Like that that set is amazing. And every little character in it is important to the plot. Yes. And and everyone gets their moment. And it's so it's really like, that's challenging. And I appreciate that as often a supporting character in Mm. movies. Um, I I guess it made me feel too, when I saw it in high school, like, Oh, this is what grownups watch. Like grownups watch old movies and black and white movies and, and so that made me feel kind of like mature for my age too.
2: When I rewatched this for for this recording, I haven't seen it probably in maybe 15-ish years. It is like, and I watch it again and
3: I'm so glad you watched it again.
2: From the beginning, you are like locked in. I mean I know. Like there's right, not a
3: wasted moment.
2: No, no. It's like so it's like incredibly fast paced. Like the first time they go into uh Rick's uh Cafe American. Uh, mm-hmm. And they they walk through and they show all the key players, like people playing yep. poker, the bartender, Sam playing piano, like all the things so fast. So many people involved that, yeah. like you said, everyone matters. It's it's really cool to see, especially for a movie like when people don't want to watch an old black and white, like classic movie. They yeah. maybe think, like, oh, it's going to be, you know, this really slow thing. But it's like Casablanca, I think the note I took is that it has action, it has mystery, it has drama, it has romance. Yes. And they yes. do it so perfectly. Like you don't, they don't miss a beat in anywhere.
3: I know. It's kind of a perfect movie. I mean, there's every 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 moment is filled perfectly. There's no wasted time. There's no wasted space. There's no wasted shots or dialogue. Like everything furthers the plot along and 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 yet it's like so beautiful. You do kind of get lost in it. You feel like time sort of stops there. At least I do when I watch it. Yeah,
2: I love it. So something very important about this movie uh is that I think A, there are so many lines that people don't realize come from, yeah. from this
0: movie of all the gin joints and all the towns in all the world she walks in a mine
2: everyone knows that but then there's like well i didn't realize a uh, Roundup the usual suspects came from this movie. oh yeah like that was a shock to me do you have a favorite like one line or, or sort of bit that uh comes up
3: i mean i'm a sucker for the end when he's like i think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship like I love that moment. Yeah. But I'm also a sucker of all the gin joints and all that. Like that is like so good. I mean, what a, I mean, really he's not wrong. Right. <laughs> what, what are the chances? <laughs>
2: <laughs> very, very low. Um, another one I love is we'll always have Paris. I think that's such like a beautiful mm-hmm. way to end it. Um, again, spoiler alerts folks, but, <laughs> um, and then on the other side of that, I think there are shots from this movie that people like, even if you've never seen Casablanca, you can see a, a, a you know, a, like the side angle of Ingrid Berman or yeah. that shot of Rick sitting, uh, smoking a cigar when you first see him and people like. Who haven't seen the movie? They look at that like, oh yeah, that's from Casablanca. Like, it's funny mm-hmm. how like impactful it is, just because you see images like that, you know, in like Academy Award montages or Always, uh, you yes. know, or or Criterion Collection commercials or yes. things like that. Like, people just know it. Um, it's it's so funny. Do you and do you have any specific reason why you think it's like just lasting imagery like that?
3: I I guess for me it's like a, a mood. Like when mm-hmm. you see that one image, it tells you the whole story, the whole mood, the whole tone, like that whole feeling it conveys. I mean, and, and because it really is like a piece of art, I think that, you know, we see these pictures from the movie and they feel like home, you know, they, Mm -hmm. he just creates these gorgeous tableaus and, and, and they convey so much. I mean, it kind of just goes back to what we were saying before, like that you, he does, there's nothing wasted in that movie. And, And I don't know, there's some really great, you know, there's so, so many from so many old films, like iconic images, like Mm -hmm. Dustin Hoffman on the, in the pool, in the graduate with his glass, you know what I mean? And you just like, and that picture tells a story and that's kind of those famous images from Casablanca tell those stories too. Like the look on his face when he sees her, like that's all you kind of need to know about how he feels about her, you know, and just her face yeah. like it's so insane. I know. Like, and, what is and, that beautiful.
2: And and like the way uh I mean it's kind of a famous story but the director Michael Curtis he shot her differently than everyone else throughout the movie. Like they put, you know, the twinkly lights in front of her so her eyes would glisten and they put a softer lens on her and like things like that it's it's so cool to see because like he was having the viewer view her as uh, Rick, Rick views, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's 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 so cool to see that they do things like that. I mean, way back then, that uh, you know, people try and emulate now, but get close, yeah. but not quite to that level. It's great,
3: right? Well, it's because it's it was enhancing the storytelling, not just about like a beauty shot, you know right. what I mean? Like right. it was it was all to serve this greater purpose instead of now sometimes when you're watching a movie you can see like if they're cutting back and forth between close ups, you're like, this is a fully different lit. <laughs> like <laughs> this is not how the scene was lit in the master. <laughs> like and by the way, usually it's to my benefit when it's me. So I'm like, great, like just light, light me, please. But like, definitely sometimes you're like, I don't think that, you know, like they've definitely like changed To make this actor actor look more
2: attractive, (laughs) but
3: but I don't know that it always serves the purpose of the story. In this case, I think it does. Right.
2: Um, Well, fantastic, Casablanca, classic. (laughs) If you haven't seen it, come on, please, please watch it. No
3: excuse, you're home anyway.
2: So next movie up here, this is uh, one of the movies that changed my life as well. So this is 1994's Pulp Fiction. Uh, 8.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 1.7 million ratings, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, yeah. starring John Travolta, Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis, Ving Rings, Uma Thurman, Tim Roth, Amanda Plummer, Eric Stoltz, mm-hmm. list goes on and on and on and on. Um, set the scene for this one, please.
3: I mean, this movie, blew, I, like, it blew up what we thought of movies when it came out. I feel like there is before Pulp Fiction and there's after Pulp Fiction. And, like, obviously I'm a super fan of this film. Um, I'm not always a huge fan of Quentin Tarantino's movies. Like, Mm -hmm. I always see them and, like, respect them. But Mm -hmm. this one just, like... I mean, don't you agree that there's like before pulp fiction and after like it's just like even the way he tells the story, like the narrative is all over the place and it totally works and it totally makes sense. And he just like rips apart all the rules of everything. And God, I just like it is such a ride. It's so wild and and I mean, I'm even now thinking of when Bruce Willis like goes back and like he like and you're like, what are it's like Oh, God, the the my husband and I constantly are like when we call each other we're like prank caller prank caller like I mean they're just like if you're going to talk about like iconic like like images and lines like how many are there from this movie like infinite, infinite. I just don't like a day goes by that someone's not quoting like like a Royale which he's like I just don't even like even the other night I had I had a nightmare. <laughs> Oh, and I was in bed and I like stood up and went <gasps> <gasps> it's like my husband was like what's up Uma Thurman <laughs> like, like I don't know I'm not I'm probably I'm not, probably not a great guest on your podcast no this is
2: great like, no because the, we're getting I'm the like, pure so. emotion
3: <laughs> I just it makes me so excited this movie you can never not want to watch it you can't even believe like the stuff that happens in it I mean every single scene is so perfect when they go to that Oh my God. And they go to the apartment and those kids, it's just too much. Like the suspense yes. um, that is built up in that movie too, in every scene. Jeez Louise. <laughs> there,
2: there's like, I mean, this is for me, this is one of the, it's one of the most watched movies, probably like my two or three most watched movies ever. And every time yeah. you watch it, there's, there's something you get out of it. And um, when I was rewatching this one, I, the whole movie is, I think it's a, is a perfect ten ten for me, but yeah. it is probably the first 45 minutes to an hour of this movie is like the most brilliantly written yeah. like, piece of film. There's so much, so much good stuff. And I mean, like every scene, like you said, is quotable. Uh, every performance, uh, is amazing. So when, when you saw this, you happen to see this in theater or did you see it? Yeah. After? Um, what was like I- the.
3: I, you know, what happened for me, I was in, I think I was a a first year in school in Chicago when it came out and um, the the soundtrack, I mean, God, this is so long ago, but like the soundtrack came out first and I bought a CD of it. Like, like I just, I just like became so obsessed with the music of it and thinking like, what is this movie going to be? Like, what? Like what is what that connects all these songs? Because I remember like Reservoir Dogs, um, just had such a great, uh, such a great soundtrack. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, such a great soundtrack and, and how much that added to the film, the songs really were like a part of the storytelling. And so I was just like, could not wait for Pulp Fiction to come out. I was like, I don't understand I don't understand these images I'm seeing of this movie. Um, you know, this is also like before the internet. So
0: yeah. you're
3: really only seeing trailers and movie theaters for movies, or if you're watching television and it's a commercial for the movie. And so, like, it just was incredible. Like, I couldn't understand it. And then going to the theater, like, I think I went like opening day, like, my mind was completely blown. I couldn't believe how you could tell a story in this way and how it worked in these performances, which. You know, like just we're so in this over the top world, like so grounded and so good and believable. And then, like, thank you again for bringing me John Travolta back because, <laughs> right? like, he was gone. I hope he writes a nice Christmas card to Quentin Tarantino every year <laughs> uh, because we're, weren't you kind of so intrigued with, like, what is John Travolta doing, doing in, this in this movie? Like, how is that? How is he in that movie with? Uma Thurman and Samuel Jackson, like, that's so crazy. Um, yeah, it was, it just, like, it blew my mind, clearly. I was, uh, I thought, like, everything's different now, you know? Like, movies are going to be different now.
2: Yeah, many people try and do what he did, right? Some of the kind of what we said about Casablanca, but obviously on the other end of the spectrum.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, I mean,
2: cl- like, any filmmaker, uh, actor, writer, anyone in the film industry, I feel like, like currently maybe like getting their uh their reels together and they're coming up now like all have pulp fiction as like yeah. I want to do something that's like gonna change the film industry like this and, and it,
3: it did
2: and it still it, does like it's still <laughs> when you watch it now like there are a lot of impactful movies I think when they're <clears throat> that are older we're like oh yeah like this is I, I understand how this was important and like but time, things yeah. have developed since then like for the mm-hmm. better and like I don't know like Pulp Fiction is like a, a, such a a piece of film history and like um that crosses both like the uber like cinephile nerds who will break down like every scene and like you know oh there's that shot when the the camera goes through the fence when Bruce Willis is going back to his apartment like analyzing yeah. that stuff and yeah. then there's a side of people who are just like yeah it's, like an awesome movie it's
3: like the <laughs> best movie it's so funny I know yeah. I think I'm so a little, I I think I straddle that line cuz like you know I appreciate so much like what like the the art of the movie but then at the same time like i easily can just watch it and get totally lost in it too and um this movie i feel like is for everybody it's like like women and men alike you know i mean i don't know a dude who's not like i love the godfather (laughs) i know a lot of women who are like Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The Godfather. (laughs) Like, like, we'll all agree that it's kick-ass and it's important, but like, I'm not like I'm watching The Godfather. I just, it was on and I had to watch it to the end. Like, I don't see a lot of my girlfriends being like, yeah, The Godfather was on, so I had to watch it to the end. Like, no one turns off Pulp Fiction.
2: I love that. That's a great way to put it. Uh, do you have a favorite, I oh, know this is so hard, do you have a favorite scene or a favorite moment in this whole movie that when you think of Pulp Fiction, this is where you go to? Impossible. I mean,
3: I it's impossible because we were. I was just talking about it with someone else the other day. We were arguing about, it was in like a Zoom drinks I was having, sure. and we were arguing about um, if there was uh, alcohol in the milkshake. And we were oh. like, no, there isn't. And like one of the people was like, yeah, no, there was, there was like whiskey in it. That's why he wanted it. He had to taste it. I'm like, no, 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 no. He was like, it's just ice cream and ice or milk and ice. Like, he's like, I don't understand like why it's like a $12, whatever it was, milkshake. And I was like, no, there was no alcohol in it. Like we were just arguing about it the other day. And
0: a $5 shake. Anyone with that shake? Martin and Lewis or Amos and Ann? Martin and Lewis. Did you just order a $5 shake? hmm that's a shake that's milk and ice cream
3: last i heard
0: that's five dollars
2: you don't put bourbon in or nothing no just check i'll be right back with your drinks
3: um <laughs> i mean the dance is incredible mm-hmm. uh i do love i love eric stoltz and rosanna arquette oh God, i mean like so that's exactly good. and that random friend who's over there Who, who's just I smoking mean, like, her
2: bong in the background
3: I just like that's exactly that house. Like when you used to have to go and buy weed from a weed dealer. Like that's the house you went to one hundred percent of the time. Like that's exactly. I'm like feel like I have bought weed in that house from Eric Stoltz.
2: When Eric's was like, get the book, get the yeah. book, get the book. Oh, it's so good.
3: I mean, those just so. I don't know. There are. Yeah, it's.
2: It's hard to choose, but it's in any hard. scene, any scene.
3: Oh, by the way, it changes too. It's just so good.
2: Yeah. Uh, I don't
3: know why these people know each other. It doesn't matter. It
2: doesn't matter. Yeah. You don't have to like, explain it. It just
3: don't matter. And like that's when I think of like filmmaking, when I'm writing and, and trying to, I, I, I think I forget. I think I have to over explain everything. And you know what? I mean, at least maybe I, I actually probably do. But like when Tarantino does not, he just. Tells you what you need
2: to know. I'm assuming every single person who's listening to an IMDb podcast has seen Pulp Fiction. But just in case you haven't, just...
3: Please. I mean... <laughs> yeah, please.
1: This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution.
2: I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of Movies That Changed My Life. Uh, If you are, don't forget to hit the subscribe button to make sure that you get all of your new episodes as soon as they are available. Because trust me, you won't want to miss the incredible guests we have coming up to nerd out about some of their favorite movies like Tatiana Maslany and Felicia Day, just to name a few. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out imdb.com slash podcast for more content and to easily add movies that we talk about on this show to your IMDb watch list. Now let's get back to movies that changed my life with Judy Greer. Yeah, I mean, Arrest the Development. I remember my friend tried getting me to watch it when it was on air and like I didn't really get it for the first couple episodes and he was like like, keep going and then I just became massively, massively obsessed with it like
1: the (laughs) other hardcore
2: Arrested Development fans. I mean I dressed up as like uh, George Michael for Halloween one year with the banana is. stand thing. Um, I mean, I hope
3: you to your friend. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs>
2: it's such like an impactful show because it was so, it's still ahead of its time. I still think comedy shows have a hard time like trying to figure out like exactly how it was so perfect. Um, so I just had to gush about Arrested Development. Oh, well, about it, thank you know. very much. It kind of has that.
3: to no, I do, when it first came out on, um, on television and like you said, like people just weren't really watching it, but you had these like, freaky fans who did get it right away. Like, whenever I would get recognized on the street from Arrested Development, I was like, you're cool. You're cool because you're watching this cool show right now while it's on TV, you know? Yeah. And then and then when it went off the air and everyone was whining about it, they're like, why? And I was like, I had a little chip on my shoulder. I'm going to yeah. be like, because you didn't watch it. <laughs> Things are different now. You don't have to watch things yeah. on TV anymore like when they're on. But, yeah, at the time I was like, anyone who compliments Arrested is like a real fan.
2: Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> uh, I'm sure all the Arrested fans who will definitely be listening to this would love to hear that. And <laughs> now they're not, everyone can pat themselves on the back and say, see, Judy said it too. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to 1982's Tootsie is your next pick. Oh. Uh, directed by Sidney Pollack, written by Dan McGuire, uh, Larry Gelbert. Um, starring Dustin Hoffman, Jessica Lange, Terry Gard, Dabney Coleman, Bill Murray, um, Gina Davis in her first role ever. Uh, this has a IMDb star rating of 7.4 out of 10. 94,000 people rated it as well. Set the scene for Tootsie, please.
3: When Sidney Pollack passed away, uh, obviously it was really sad, but he was on my list of people I always wanted to work with because of this movie, and and I was like, Bummed, I would never get a chance in this lifetime to do that. Um, I uh saw this movie, I think, when I was probably too young to really understand like all the comedy in it. Um, but it's a movie that like has grown, I've grown up with it, uh, watching it. And as I get older, I see like more and more nuances, more and more comedy. Um, I mean, I just thought it was funny, like Bill Murray in that movie, watching it as a kid and seeing like, Oh, this is how grownups act. Like was, I don't know. It made me excited to grow up. Like I thought like these people are weird and they're funny and, and they're interesting and they're artists and they're trying so hard. Um, they're falling in love. They can't help it. Like, I don't know. I just thought like it was smart and I, I, And before I understood, like, what my brand of humor would be like, I thought, like, when I grow up, I want to be funny like this movie. Like, I want my comedy to be, like, this, I wouldn't have known at the time, but this dry and kind of, like, (laughs) a little darker sense of humor. Um, Yeah, and I, I mean, obviously, like, the performances are all incredible. And, you know, I suppose there's conversations to be had today about, you know cross-dressing and that kind of thing, Um, but sometimes I just, like, don't really want to spoil what was, (laughs) like, really special to me as a kid, and yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I I just thought it was smart and funny and touching and deep and weird, and it made me really excited to grow up and move to New York City, which I didn't end up doing. I moved to L.A., but,
2: you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when you were just becoming, uh, an actress and, and you moved to LA, did you sort of think it was going to be like that? You'd be living, uh, in a, in a studio apartment with one person and kind of going out for these roles. You want to do a play with your roommate, like, um, like this yeah. in does. Did yeah. you think that was going to happen?
3: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I thought like, well, I'm going to go be an actor. I'll be like a starving artist. Like they were, you know, um, that's what I thought. That's how I thought it worked a hundred percent
2: um Sydney Pollack he uh, so funny speaking of things too early to watch i the first time i ever heard of sydney pollack was when i was first getting into movies and i watched eyes wide shut when i was like <laughs> when i was like 12 years old
0: Oh my God. Because
2: I had seen The Shining. I had seen uh, yeah, like, 2001. <laughs> and I saw, I, you know, he's the uh, the doctor. He's Tom Cruise's doctor in Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. So speaking of movies that I should not have seen when I was 12 years old, that is absolutely, I'm not sure I should see it now. I don't know if anyone should see it. Now. Um, <laughs> masterpiece, masterpiece movie. Uh, but he's in that. And he is so funny in Tootsie. His oh scene, um, his first argument with um, Dustin Hoffman where he goes, they can't all be idiots if you argue with anyone. Like, you are a tomato. Yeah. Like, yeah. such a brilliant comedic timing in, in that whole thing. They and- can't
4: all be idiots, Michael. You argue with everybody. You've got one of the worst reputations in this town, Michael. Nobody will hire you. Are you saying that nobody in New York will work with me? Oh, no, that's too limiting. Nobody in Hollywood wants to work with you either. I can't even send you up for a commercial. You played a tomato for 30 seconds. They want a half a day over schedule because you wouldn't sit down. Yes, it
2: wasn't logical. You were a tomato!
3: I know. That's kind of what I mean when I say, like, that's how I wanted to be funny. Like, I wanted it to be funny like they were every... Si- like, Sydney and and also, like, what a great role to give himself, to like, as the director. Like, yes. That's... Just- killing it i mean the scene in the russian tea room when he realizes like it's michael dorsey and he's like and then the guy comes up and they're all it's just like so stressful the scene is like so funny and and yes when he is just like no one will hire you it's just incredible yeah
2: um and then another note i had is jessica lang 've been so, <gasps> we've been so trained to be horrified and terrified of her in recent years from her success on American horror story and all that stuff and she is it's so cool to see her young a uh, different I mean, completely different person like her tone of voice is different the way she is like it's it's really cool to see her you know however many years ago that was just at this kind of you know earlier in her career um, yeah she and she's brilliant in it she's great like you feel her pain you think like, does she want a mother figure within uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman's character or does, you know, is there sort of like love interest? So there's a lot of really nice, subtle writing that like they build throughout the thing. And then obviously you know the payoff at the end, but um, it, it, she's so great. Any thoughts on Jessica?
3: Um, well, I directed a movie and uh, in it, I had a scene where the, this young boy gets pushed down and, and then this pretty girl helps him up and I totally stole that moment when Dustin Hoffman drops his papers and she helps him up and she smiles and like you just see her and you're like oh my gosh uh I fully like was like this is what this is what we're doing for this shot (laughs) we're just gonna steal it from Dootsie it was like my homage um I have not gotten the pleasure of working with Jessica um Lange yet hopefully I will Um, but like she's ethereal and so flawed. And that's like another thing about this character is like, you can't help but love her. Cause she just like, just wants to be loved, but she mm-hmm. keeps making these horrible decisions. And I just, I love that. I love that. She's not perfect.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And yeah. you know, and how he feels about her regardless is it's so human. And it's so much more interesting than if she's just like this perfect girl who doesn't care for him, yeah. you know? There's, She's a train
2: wreck, uh, just like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> just like the rest of us, right? Something that I think works really well for this movie and allows it to age. Um, obviously, like you said, there's some, you know, maybe some controversial things here mm-hmm. in today's world, but the fact that, um, man, why am I... Justin Hoffman's character... Um, oh,
3: Michael Dorsey. Michael Dorothy Dorsey. Michael,
2: yeah. yeah, he never... He doesn't, like, Um. he doesn't really benefit from everything that happens. You know, he has this big moment at the end. Um, right. You know, you... You know, if it turns out like he becomes this face of like this feminist movement in Hollywood, I think it would be a very different sort of context now. But he yeah. crashes after that, and you know, he kind of has to go back to where he started. And I think that's a really interesting way to put it. Like, he mm-hmm. has these good intentions, and maybe he's being a little selfish by doing that moment where he takes off the wig and like says who mm-hmm. he is on that final episode. Um, but the fact that he doesn't come out on top, I think, is is a really really cool way and sort of like heads up approach to, to that ending. How do you feel about that? <laughs>
3: I mean, I love the ending. And I also love that, like throughout the whole story, like he's really just trying to save up money to do that play. Like he just wants to produce the play. And, and because of that, like, it's almost all forgivable, you know, like he doesn't count on falling in love. He doesn't count on being such a success. Um, he can't help himself, but, uh, You know, like, you have this, like, through line, like, this journey for this character. It's like, I just need to get enough money to to produce this play with my friends so that I can star in it. And and I think that, you know, once he gets it and he sees what a mess he's made and he's so entangled, yeah, like, it's selfish, but it makes for a really good... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: it makes a really intense last, like, 30 minutes of that movie where, like, everything just keeps happening. again,
3: like, up. falling apart. Yeah. I always think, too, like, um, if they were to make Tootsie today, I feel like I would totally get to play the Terry Gar role. <laughs> like, I would 100% be, like, the pining best friend who's just like, <laughs> <laughs> like screaming when she
1: watches the scene.
2: Right. I'm in love with another woman.
1: <laughs> she's, she's, I know. Yeah, she,
2: she is very, very great in that. I would love to see you in that. Let's, let's get that done, people.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs> uh, so let's go to the last one. So this is the one I had not seen before uh, and that oh I absolutely God. loved. So this is right? 1996's Citizen Ruth, uh, written and directed by Alexander Payne, starring Laura Dern, uh, Susie Kurtz, Mary Kay Place, uh, among many, many others. Uh, the synopsis is, an irresponsible, drug-addicted, recently impregnated woman finds herself in the middle of an abortion debate uh, when both parties attempt to sway her to their respective sides. It is a 7 out of 10 on IMDb with 7,000 ratings.
0: Guys, you gotta so, get that reading Gotta get it. People
2: gotta watch it. So yeah, so I had never heard of this movie. Really? <laughs> um, no, I'd never heard of it. Oh, and, well, you're
1: welcome. Yeah,
2: thank you very much. <laughs> and it was awesome. Like, it was so, so good. So So yeah. what's the story behind this one?
3: Um, the, uh, like the story from my, like my little like heart story about it Uh is, um, I was in acting school when it came out and in, and, and sort of like never thinking I would really want to be an actor or that I could really be a professional actor. It just seemed like an impossible thing to do. Um, and, and then I saw this movie and I thought to myself, like, if they're making movies like this, then, then I want to be in this business. Then I really do care about it. And I care about these kinds of stories and these kinds of characters, like this type of storytelling is what I would want to do as an artist is like what I care about. And, and then Laura Dern's performance is so like raw and gross and dirty and like ugly. And the, Vulnerability. She like she's just allows herself to really go there in a way that a lot of actresses just don't, you know, because they're and that's Laura, a hundred percent. Like she doesn't care about, you know. Well, I mean, of course, she cares about like wanting to be beautiful, but like you right, know what I mean. Right, like, right, She is like she wants to play these like flawed, deep, ugly characters, and um. <clears throat> And I was just incredibly moved. I was incredibly moved also by the story, the direction. But yeah, it was mostly just thinking like, oh, maybe I do want to try this. Like if there's ever a world where I could play characters like this and tell these kinds of stories, then I think I do. I think I want to give it a shot.
2: She And and what's great about this movie too, so this is 1996. This is a Laura Dern in a post-Jurassic Park, post-Blue mm-hmm. Velvet world. She's very mm-hmm. much like an established actress right now. And she takes this like role that I have not, I haven't seen all of her work. I've seen a lot of it. Yeah. And it's something like, I mean, obviously right now we're living in Laura Dern's world. We have yeah, we little lies. We have marriage story. And seeing her play this such a different role. I mean, from the start, like from the opening sequence, um, you know, she's completely transformed and the the story arc of her character is really, really like incredible to see. Um, Something about this movie that I think is really, really interesting. Like obviously it it, it deals with um, uh, one side of the uh, pro-life on the abortion debate and the other side of the pro-choice. And just when they think you're really like, oh, this is going to be all about how awful one side is. They swing yeah. it the other way and they just show you how extreme both sides are and how like, you know, the moral of the story and I think I'm not going to spoil the ending of this one because a lot of people may have not seen this one. Yeah. Um, it's really about how like in sort of not even just the abortion debate, but really heavy debates. A lot of the times the sides aren't thinking about the person who is actually involved in like mm-hmm. what is happening. Um, yeah. And, and, and Alexander Payne, the writer director like handles this so, so well, like yeah. you, really makes you think like, um, you know, yeah. Like, who is this about? This is about her. You know, it's not about anyone else. And and it's, it's so good. Like for a while there, like in the, you know, the second half of the movie, every 10 minutes, they keep ramping up. Like, let's let's see how far we can push this and push this and yeah. push this. And then, like, now you're watching it, and it's like, maybe at the time it seemed, like, very extreme. But now it's like, I can, like, kind of see all this, like, this, like, media showmanship happening and, like, all these extreme gestures happening. It's, it's, man, it's crazy.
3: I mean, I can't even imagine, like, you having seen this for the first time now. Because isn't it, like, I know we don't want to make this political, but isn't sure, it sure. disgusting how relevant this is yeah Yeah, it's crazy like right now when you think about like that we are this movie came out in 1996 and as women we are still still fighting for our right to choose and fighting for our own power over our own bodies and you can't even and it's like another you know at the time when this came out and I saw it and I was like god I can't believe we're still having these arguments and these fights and now it's been you know like it's still relevant and it's upsetting and also hilarious when you watch this yes, movie oh and it really does shine a light on how ridiculous people can get and how they, as you said so perfectly, like they really lose sight of their, mm-hmm. of what, of the cause, you yeah. know, they fight so hard that they don't really see that there is like a real impact on actual human beings. Yeah. Um, these decisions are important, you know, they're important to like one person and they're important to like all the, Sort of like you know faceless people that right. they affect anyway. It's just and I, and then also um, I was like, who is this director? And everything you know, my one of my main goals. I said earlier, I wanted to work with Sidney Pollack, and I wanted to work more than anything with Alexander Payne. Mm. Um, every movie he's done, I've just loved so much. And I, um, and I finally did. I got to work with him on a movie called The Descendants, and I was just like, uh. I couldn't wait to tell him how much I love Citizen Ruth. And he was like, really? And, you know, when you do, uh, when you do press for movies, they ask you all the time, especially when you're working with such esteemed directors like right. Alexander Payne, and they're like, what's your favorite Alexander Payne movie? You know, and I'm always like, Citizen Ruth, man. Like, And my favorite Laura Dern performance. Um, not to try to ask you to see all the movies I've ever been in, but I did a movie with Laura Dern called Wilson a few years ago with Woody Harrelson. And she really, I feel like, brings Ruth back uh, through this character a little bit. She, she's, um, I'm like seeing a lot of Ruth in that when we were shooting the movie. And I was like, oh, so cool.
2: Funny you say that because we actually interviewed her um, at IMDb on the IMDb show. And uh, we asked her what character would she most like to revisit? And she said, Is that Ruth? Ruth? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So. so very aligned. Um, <laughs> some other things uh, on my notes. Lord Derm gives a great F-bomb. Like my god, and the way she drops f bombs in this movie is fantastic. She, (laughs) it's so good. And then uh, the Burt Reynolds uh, cameo is unbelievable. Like his introduction monologue, and then it cuts to him getting his massage. Like oh my god, (laughs) yes, yeah, it's so good. Um, Do you have any other favorite favorite scenes uh, from the movie?
3: I mean, I just I don't. I guess I don't want to spoil the ending. At the end of all this, there's sort of this like melancholy. To me, it feels like a melancholy moment um, at the very end. And mm-hmm. it's just so beautiful because, like, it's so hard to um, maintain tone. And this movie, you know, a lot of times when you, like, are pitching ideas to people, it's like, well, what's the tone? What's the tone? What's the tone? And and this movie somehow manages to be sort of over the top and grounded. grounded it's like Yeah it's broad, but these people are all so grounded. Um, and, and then you have this like, sort of like beautiful moment at the end, at least the way I'm remembering it as yeah. being like almost melancholy. Um, and you feel like, you know, I can't say
1: it. Cause yeah, I, I know. want people
2: to watch so, I know <laughs> me too. So my last <laughs> note I wrote was awesome ending that will stick with me. Yeah. Like the last, the last five minutes, I like when it ended, I was like, that is like, Mm-hmm. A very, very, like, it's, like, the perfect way to end the movie. Oh, God, I, I know I want to talk about that. But, I know. Because um, you can't,
3: You're like, how is this going to play out? Like, what is going to yeah. happen? What is she going to do? Yeah. And when it happened, I'm also a really good audience. Like, I had to watch the end of The Sixth Sense, like, five times. I was like... <laughs> what <laughs> i couldn't believe it i was like no 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 so i'm exactly who you want at a test screening if anyone needs to go to a test like once i'm really i'll laugh i'll cry i'll scream <laughs> i will be like oh my god so i really was like how is he gonna wrap this up what's gonna happen what's she gonna do i had there was no part of me that saw that coming and then yeah. i was like of course
2: yeah and, and it's 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 really beautiful there's like a great Shot, yeah, just like the final like shots are yeah. it's so good. People just watch it. Citizen Ruth.
1: <laughs> just <watch> it. <laughs> yeah, just watch
2: it. Um, all right, so we have Citizen Ruth. We talked about Pulp Fiction, Tootsie, and Casablanca. Do you see any through line uh through any of these movies? <laughs> no, do you do you see any sort of connective tissue between them all?
3: Um, do you?
2: I was thinking like you seem to have uh for the ones like you have a specific moment of where you watched it.
3: I see think it, maybe the connective tissue could be time in my life. Yeah. yeah. Because I was even thinking about when I was getting ready to talk to you today, I was thinking about like, God, I can't believe I didn't say like a John Hughes movie because like mm-hmm. John Hughes like was one of my parents growing up. <laughs> like that's how I feel about yeah. his movies, you know? Um, but and, like, well, I guess if you were going to let me say more movies, like, certainly, like, Pretty in Pink would be Please on my list. Please roll them off.
2: Rattle them off. Yeah. I
3: mean, you know, like, that movie, I felt, like, changed me because I felt like, oh, I'm understood, you know? And, like, like, um, it made so much sense to me. And I thought, like, oh, I'm being represented in a movie. Okay, cool. Uh, also, but, like... I think what you're saying is true. Like for me, it's like time in my life and all those John Hughes movies kind of, they are like sort of packed into this little chunk of time in my life. But the ones I, the list I gave you really, um, yeah, they, they were specific to like where I was in my life and also literally like geographically when I saw them that like they have the most impact on me. I would also say if I was allowed to say one more that um, keep going. but there are no rules you, here. Um, like uh, Rushmore, really mm. kind of blew my mind. Um, in a in a sort of similar way that Pulp Fiction did when I first saw Rushmore. Um, I did see Bottle Rocket at first, but and I loved it. But there was just something about Rushmore that felt like Rushmore Fred, hits different. Yeah, and it's like it just is so earnest and uh, like such an earnest story. Um. And so beautifully told, I felt like it really was like a, it, you know, was I was like, oh wow, okay, cool. I'm gonna, I like this kind of movie, and I didn't yeah. even know that it existed.
2: Yeah, I am um, the worst, most annoying Wes Anderson fanboy. Oh, like I mean, every yeah. every time a new Wes Anderson trailer comes out, I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, did you see? She's just like, let me guess. There's symmetry and there's colors. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what it is.
3: <laughs> I know I uh like I've, I when I directed I've directed one movie so far hopefully more uh-huh. but I but I found myself like really like copying trying to I steal that's what you're <laughs> supposed to do right I uh, mean of course um so I was I found myself like when I was shot listing like always kind of like leaning on those yeah kind of shots those like Wes Anderson shots when possible
2: are you excited for the French dispatch his upcoming uh <laughs> movie <laughs>
3: Just say are you excited for and if it's yeah. like anything to do with him like yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the first trailer for that. Like when I was watching it I'm like this is just Wes Anderson at full Wes Anderson mode and I'm very yeah. very excited for that. And I'm here out. for
3: that. I'll always yes. be here for that.
2: Yep. Yeah. Um well awesome. Judy, thanks so much for hanging out. That's so um awesome. Yeah, this was
3: about things I love and I love that you love those too.
2: Yes. Uh, thank, I mean, again, thank you for citizen Ruth. I will be recommending <laughs> yeah. that to people for a while. Um, so, okay. So into the dark, uh, good boy comes out June 12th, 2020. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be on Hulu. Anything else you want to talk about for people to keep an eye on?
3: Uh, we're finishing up recording season 11 of Archer. um, because, uh, because of the pandemic, we had to push our, our, premiere date. Um, so I don't have a date to tell you about it. But Hulu, sorry, FX on Hulu is now streaming all the episodes. So um if you have Hulu, you should just go back and
2: Yeah, you should go back and catch up on Mm -hmm. one of the most Um, brilliant coffee ever. Yeah,
3: by the way, also another I told you when people would like arrested development, I thought they were cool. And when Archer first came out, if people be like, dude, Archer's awesome, I would be like, you're cool.
2: Well, Judy, thank you so much. This was a great episode. Oh, good. Uh, It
3: was really
2: fun. Well, thank you so much. And we will talk to you soon. I hope so. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget, go to imdb.com slash podcasts for more content on Judy and her picks. And uh, while you're there, go ahead and add whichever movies you need to watch to your IMDb watch list as well. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you next week.